The following is a rebroadcast of Straight Talk About Money. The market data in this rebroadcast is not current and should not be used for any financial decisions. We are very honored this morning to have with us the chairman and editor-in-chief of Forbes Media and best-selling author. And thank you. In fact, he's got a new book we're going to be talking about today. It's called Money, How the Destruction of the Dollar Threatens the Global Economy and What We Can Do About It. Mr. Steve Forbes. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Fine, sir, and thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I don't even know where to start. There's so many things I want to talk about, but I think I will start with Russia, because I know you've been talking about it a lot lately in the media, and uh, Mr. Putin's an interesting guy for me. I mean, he, he's he a three-hour speech, and I don't think he said nothing, but it looks like Russia's in a whole lot of trouble. Well, it is in a whole lot of trouble, because it's been a kleptomaniac regime, where uh, Putin and a few of his cohorts have been looting the country for years. And uh, the Russian people uh, for years went along with it because their standard of living was rising as well. But now it's clear that uh, the economy is totally dependent, almost totally dependent on high oil prices. And without high oil prices, uh, Putin's economy is uh, shriveling, and he's lashing out at it. Uh, he, yeah, he, uh, he's very, very angry. Some people are beginning to think that he may not be able to last through this, that this could be the end of Vladimir Putin. Do you think so? Well, you have to uh, figure out who's actually going to move against him. Uh, right. The oligarchs uh, know this is an ex-KGB guy, secret policeman, and so uh, security is going to be pretty tight. Putin is a bit of a paranoid, uh, rightly so, uh, given the environment that he lives in and has helped create. And uh, so who's going to do it? The army's not going to do it. The oligarchs, uh, do they have the wherewithal to do it? We'll see. The thing that really threatens them, though, is a, is a rising up of the Russian people. The Russian people undergo uh, throughout their history enormous uh, calamities, uh, uh, suppressions and the like. But uh, they may reach a breaking point because uh, they are not going to take kindly to a handful of people still piling up their billions of dollars at the expense of the Russian people. So uh, that's why he said it's going to take two years to get this his economy moving again. He's trying to buy time. Some people seem to believe, at least down here uh, in, in the Texas area, that, uh, that a lot of this move of oil prices coming down uh, is a way for Washington, D.C. to put pressure on uh, on Putin because they could not do so militarily for his incursion into Ukraine. Do you think that there that, that was part of the move of oil down, or do you think it's just the Saudis or supply and demand, the other the other uh, reasons that are given? Uh, well, if Washington uh, tried to have a policy of uh, moving oil prices down, they probably would have doubled instead. Uh, it has no competence to uh, influence markets in, in a way they want to influence them. And uh, so uh, what you see playing out in oil is, uh, you mentioned supply, uh, that's one factor, a depressed global economy. But also, uh, and it's not just the Saudis, it's also uh, the, the, the dollar's gotten stronger, not because the Fed wanted it to happen, the Federal Reserve, but because of their own incompetence. And a strong dollar means uh, lower oil prices. And uh, the fact the Fed doesn't know what it's doing means that uh, this uh, situation might not last. But uh, that, that, that's a key factor as well. But Washington trying to manipulate oil markets 
Uh, that would be like watching a Saturday Night Live. It would not work. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you know, I'm, I'm a little tired this morning because I stayed up to almost 4 o'clock reading your book last night. So I'm going to go to to a, a segment of a book because you mentioned in your book that um, right now the Federal Reserve is conducting a completely discretionary monetary policy. No one can accurately forecast a whim. What is? What do you think of the Federal Reserve policy? We Obviously, we finished QE. Uh, the QEs, and it seems like it, you know, things are relatively calm. Uh, Janet Yellen se- doesn't seem to be too reactive to the markets. Uh, she seems to be holding the ship steady. Uh, what, have you, what are your thoughts on the monetary policy of the United States right now? Uh, well, the Federal Reserve, and this is amazing, uh, that uh, its policies have been uh, very, very harmful to the economy. Uh, what they've done uh, since the panic of 2008-2009 uh, what they've done since then, after the panic, has uh, was a critical reason why our economies had the worst recovery from a sharp economic downturn in our history. And uh, these 2% growth rates, and now we hope we make it up to 3 after 6 years, is pathetic. And one of the reasons that it's happened is that the Fed has uh, put in policies that makes it very difficult for small and new businesses to get credit on good terms and uh, for households uh, to get credit on uh, decent terms. And uh, if you small and new businesses are uh, denied sufficient credit, like they're not going to run sufficient oxygen, you're not going to get the job creation. That's where the new jobs are created. And uh, the Fed, uh, though, pats itself on the back. They think they've done great things. It's like doctors in the old days used to bleed patients and uh, then uh, blame the patient when the patient died. <laughs> well, now, that, and you're right. For a long time, nobody could get could get credit. They couldn't get a loan. Now, though, you're reading about uh, how they're beginning to let to loosen their lending standards again. The very same thing that got us in trouble in the first place. They're loosening lending standards on homes. Uh, you go out now and and you buy a car, and they're offering five to seven year loans. Um, what do you think about this? Are we getting ourselves back into the same pickle that we? That that we get that we're in back in two thousand eight two thousand nine. Well, well, what happens is you get uh, this loosening in uh, certain areas, uh, but uh, you mentioned cars and you mentioned uh, housing. But uh, in terms of a, a, a sustained recovery, uh, when you suppress interest rates as they've done, uh, you get less lending, especially to uh, uh, borrowers who are perceived as more risky, which by definition is a New business, small business, mid-sized business. So uh, they may they they're going back to some of their uh, crack practices, uh, taking the crack again. But uh, the economy as a whole, you know, labor force participation rates are still uh, very low, and uh, you look at the median income, still not where they should be. So uh, the, the the economy is uh, not functioning the way it should, and people sense it. Absolutely. What do you think, Steve, we're going to do with the record high bank reserves? I mean, you know, they've created a tremendous amount of money, and I assume at some point that's going to start filtering into the economy, and it looks like we could have horrendous inflation as a result. Well, this is where the Fed is in uncharted waters, which uh, makes their uh, patting themselves on the back a little peculiar. Uh, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. What they've done up to now is they've sterilized those reserves. Uh, they've invested. In effect, they've take, created these reserves, taken money from the banks, and used it to finance uh, government debt. Steve, can you hold on and, and let's answer the rest of that on this side of the break? We're going to come up 
Coming up on a hard break here very quickly, so stay with us. The following is a rebroadcast of Straight Talk About Money. The market data in this rebroadcast is not current and should not be used for any financial decisions. If you're just joining us, we are honored today to have a very special guest with us. Is Steve Forbes, chairman and editor-in-chief of Forbes Media, and a best-selling author. And I want to talk about that for just a minute, Steve, if you don't mind. Uh, you've written a new book called Money, How the Destruction of the Dollar Threatens the Global Economy and What We Can Do About It. Can you talk a little bit about the book? What, what, what is it that, uh, why did you write it, and, um, and what could re- readers expect after, after picking it up? Well, uh, we wrote the book uh, because... The money is absolutely critical for uh, our uh, moving ahead, for progress. You know, if you can't buy and sell with each other, uh, we uh, can't uh, do new things, invent new things, invest in new things. And so uh, money has to works best when, you have, when it has a stable value. And that hasn't happened in the recent years, which is a critical reason why we have the mess we have today. You know, imagine what life would be like if the Federal Reserve did the clocks what it does to the dollar – you know, 60 minutes an hour one day, 40 minutes the next, 20 the day after, life would be chaotic. And so we wrote this book. Money's a very simple subject. Economists have uh, shrouded it with all these equations and language and complicated words, but it's very simple. Money makes buying and selling each other easier, and if you don't do it right, you get the kind of mess we have today. So we explain what the problem is, what money is. Money measures value the way scales measure weight. We uh, discuss what the problem is and uh, how we solve it, which is going to a gold standard, which we had in this country for 180 years before we destroyed it in the 19, back in the 1970s. In fact, you mentioned something I've never seen before. You mentioned the gold standard, and you have in here four possibilities of the gold standard, which I had actually never seen before. I, I, I just have only looked at what one, which is the first one you identified as the classic gold standard. Can you quickly go through the the just the the gist of the four the four uh, different possibilities? Yeah, there, there are various kinds of gold standards, just as there are various kinds of democracies. For example, our system is different uh, political system from that of Britain or France. So uh, you have the classical gold standard where uh, the government backs the currency with gold. Uh, you can uh, return the, uh, your money to the government and get gold in return. That makes sure they don't uh, print too much of it. You have a system called 100% backing, which uh, I think is unrealistic. It never works. Uh, there's not enough gold to do it. and It's not necess- necessary. Uh, then they have uh, what they call the gold exchange standard where uh, one currency or two are tied to gold, and others tie themselves to that currency. And uh, then we have what we call the modern one, which is uh, just to peg the currency to a price for gold and uh, uh, conduct your monetary policy doing that. Just to make, I know that sounds complicated, but to make it simple, uh, let's say you peg it at $1,200 an ounce, uh, $1,200 an ounce of gold. All that means is that the price of gold goes above 1200 in the market. You create less money. If it goes below $1,200, you create more money. It's like cruise control. Very, very simple. Uh, the reason they try to make it sound complicated is they uh, don't want to lose the power of Washington politicians controlling something they have no business controlling. Absolutely. Do you th- Speaking of Washington politicians, um, significant change in the midterm elections. Are you optimistic 
about what uh, going forward here, and do you think we'll see some changes out of Washington? You know, the Republicans have been a little dysfunctional from time to time on their own, uh, and do you think they'll get together now and provide a united front and deal with, uh, with President Obama in a way in which we can get some things done? I think the answer is yes. Uh, we've learned some lessons over the years, both about uh, President Obama and about uh, the best way to uh, fight this kind of thing. And you saw it, and uh, you're starting to see them put it together now. Uh, and by the way, you know, the Republicans have always been called the stupid party, and uh, the Democrats the evil party. And uh, But in recent days, as somebody pointed out, uh, Dan Henniger of the Wall Street Journal, the Democrats are becoming the stupider party. And uh, you can see it on uh, what they're doing in terms of uh, immigration decrees, trying to destroy oil and gas industry, the coal industry. And uh, what, uh, what you see now, the Republicans are realizing that in terms of how you get things past Obama's veto pen is what somebody called flooding the zone. That is, you take a spending bill, which you have to pass, and you put in a whole bunch of little things that he won't like, and he's only going to be able, given his weakened position, to take out maybe out of 50 things you put in there, maybe 10 or 20. So you get 30 small things in there. Uh, for example, uh, there was this little animal that uh, the EPA was going to use to uh, put massive regulations on the farming, uh, on farmers. And uh, they put a provision in the bill saying the EPA can't do it. So a lot of those things, can't, we don't control the White House yet. That'll come in two years. But in the meantime, you can start to uh, roll back or block a lot of bad stuff. And the Republicans are finally getting smart on how to do it. That's right. And optimistic. I like that. It slipped in there. We, that, that'll come in two years. I like that. Uh, so, uh, all right. So you think they're going to work well together. It looks to me like what Obama is doing, though, and, and this is not a – I don't run a political show here. It's a financial show. But it looks to me like uh, President Obama is doing things by mandate. He's using presidential authority to do – well, like, for instance, the, uh, the immigration issue. Um, is he going to just try to take – make an end around the uh, Congress? Uh, the answer is yes. He feels that she should, he should be like Venezuela, where uh, you become a uh, you know, virtual dictator. And uh, for a guy who supposedly studied the Constitution, he hasn't learned anything about it. He should have had remedial classes on that one. And uh, so this is where Congress is going to learn, and I think is beginning to learn, to use the power of the purpose where you deny specifically in essential legislation, you deny him the authority to use money for specific purposes, for specific purposes of uh, uh, enacting his uh, decrees. And uh, Congress hasn't done much of that in the past because we've never had a president like this who wants to rule by dictates and by decree instead of uh, through constitutional methods. Absolutely. Yeah, I, and some, somebody, I heard somebody say one time he set us back 40 years in foreign policy at least. So let's, let's, let's hope at things least, change yeah. a little bit. Uh, is there anything out there that really worries you, uh, just in general, about what's going on? Are you concerned about our economy? Are you concerned about our debts? Uh, do you, are you optimistic that we're going to somehow work our way out of this? Because we're pretty much across the board in uncharted waters. Certainly the monetary policy that the Federal Reserve has instituted um, has been one that nobody's ever seen before, the QEs. Are you concerned or are you optimistic about the about, uh, world going forward? Well, I think we just have to find ways to get through the next two years. Uh, there's a lot of entrepreneurial activity in this country, especially in health care. 
So as we uh, start to replace Obamacare with a more patient-oriented health care system, that's going to be good. we just got to get through the next two years. And in foreign policy, we got to get through the next two years. Putin knows, for example, even though, especially now that he's got a trash economy, that he's got a two-year window to do his bad stuff before we get a real president again. Uh, we saw what North Korea's done. Uh, we've got to do a reaction to what they've done in that hacking. A hit back at him, and this right. president doesn't seem to want to do it. Yep, you're right about so, uh, that because so, that, that was really upsetting to me what they did and, and the fact that they shut that down. Now you're going to be in Houston, Texas, I think, on January 9th to speak at uh, Houston Baptist University. We're looking forward to seeing you there. So uh, thank you so much, and thank you for, for look, being... looking forward to it too. Uh, and uh, look look forward to seeing you guys both there and uh, other events, uh, continuing our conspiracy to save the country. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll look forward to seeing you there. We'll be we'll certainly be there, and I hope you and your family, Steve, have a very merry Christmas, sir. You too. Merry Christmas and happy New Year. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. <clears throat> You have been listening to a rebroadcast of Straight Talk About Money. The market data in this rebroadcast is not current and should not be used for any financial decisions.